0: We love you. We adore you in Jesus' name. Come on, shout amen. Amen. Come on, high five two people around you and say, Your faith's going to be tested. Come on, your faith is going to be tested. This is actually the third message in our current series How to Stand Firm. And we're looking to answer the dilemma. And here's the dilemma. Are you ready? Can we engage? Can we live in this culture? And still maintain our faith. Come on, that's the dilemma. Can we engage? Can we live? Can we function still today in what we see all around us? The laws that are being changed. People's opinions stronger than ever. Can we still live but still maintain our faith? Can we stand firm when the world around us is bowing? And I believe through the example of Daniel that we see in God's word. We discover that we can. Come on, say with me, I can. I can. But we also see the onslaught. We see the attack that the enemy is bombarding us with because he uses the same tactics. It's nothing new. He uses the same tactics against every one of us. What have we seen through Daniel, through the messages? He wants to rename us. There's an identity crisis The enemy wants to steal our identity, who we are. And we discovered this. Are you ready? In our recap, we discovered that your name is important because what you believe about yourself influences every decision that we will make and every action that we will take. It's important. What else did we go on? We went on to hear that God, uh, we don't want the enemy to put us in a box because he wants us to conform. What did we learn from that? We don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. So we've got to be careful because when we conform and begin to compromise, then we'll see things from that position instead of the position of God. We talked about having those core convictions. Remember, someone asked me, what's a conviction? It's a value. It's something that is so important to my life that I live by. And in fact, we also said it this way. If we don't base our decisions on the Bible, then those decisions will bring devastating consequences to us. So today I want to talk about tested faith. Tested faith. That our faith is going to be tested. Because there's only two choices that we can make. In the world that we live, the culture that we're in right now, there's two choices we can make. The first is this, to set the culture, or secondly, to reflect the culture. Are you setting the culture or are you reflecting? It's like a thermometer and a thermostat. What do we know about a thermometer and a thermostat? One is controlled by the temperature, and one controls the temperature. A thermometer tells you the temperature of where it's at, where a thermostat can say, man, that's too hot or too cold. I'm going to what? I'm going to change that. God wants us to be a thermostat, not a thermometer. He wants us to change the cultures that we're around, set the culture that we're around. What's acceptable in my house? What's acceptable in my life? Set the thermometer of your life. And don't set it by your opinion. Set it by God's word. And don't be like a thermometer. So which are you? And you may say, well, pastor, you just don't understand what I have to face in my life. Maybe I don't. But I still understand this. You've still got two choices. You can either set the pace or you can go with the flow. Come on, you can either set the culture or you can reflect the culture. So today I want to talk about tested faith. And I'm not talking about just faith that's tested. I'm talking about your faith. I'm talking about the tests that you and I are going to face in our lives. But I'm telling you right now, faith that's tested is faith that can be trusted. Tested faith is trusted faith. Charles Stanley, an incredible man of God, wrote these words. Every test and every trial and every heartache that has been significant, I can turn it over and see how God has turned it into good no matter what what? But facing it's a different story, isn't it? I said facing the tests are a different story. Going into those tests are a different story. Being in the middle of those tests is a different story because we can't always see the outcome when we're in the middle. I know in my life that I've gone through some very dark times. I remember times in my life and Especially when I'd gone through a divorce and I was facing all the de- details and everything that was surrounding that. There was very dark times for me to the fact of some days I didn't think I was going to make it. I had great support and great people around me and people that loved me. But I, I just still, there was many times where I questioned, am I going to make it through this? And what I meant by that, I didn't mean was I going to lose my life. I just meant, will our ministry, will our church, will my family... How can I make it through? Will, there, will I be happy again? Will I find joy again in my life? But you know what? Now I see I have. I, I stand here today. I made it through. God blessed me with a beautiful wife, Kelly, and three more kids. Now four more kids. And now we're a family of eight. God has blessed me. I see it now, but I didn't see it then. During the test, it wasn't easy to see. But you know what I see? I see that God was testing my faith because he wanted to do something greater with my life. So what is tested faith? What is tested faith? Let me present it this way first. All the problems we face in this life are not circumstantial or random. They are, say with me, opportunities. Come on, say that with me, opportunities. Oh, that's just the circumstance. Oh, that just happened by chance. No, it's an opportunity. And it's an opportunity, what? For me to grow strong in my faith. So what is tested faith? An opportunity of growth. An opportunity of growth. Not for the church. We're not talking about the church. We're talking about for you. It's an opportunity of growth for your life. Say that with me. An opportunity for my growth. James 1 verse 2 through 4 says these words. My brethren, count it all joy. I mean, come on, that, that, that's some tough words right there, especially when you need to read the next part. Come on, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Verse 3, knowing, 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 knowing that the testing of your faith produces. There's something that's been produced through the test that we would never discover and never have if we were not tested in the first place. Weeping may endure for the night, but come on, joy is coming in the morning. A lot of people don't get to the joy because they don't go through the test. Bad God, I don't like this, but James says you can know... That God is doing something. And listen to me, everything that God does is good. I said everything that God does is good. Everything that you read of in His Word is for you. It ain't for Him. He wrote it for you. This is His love letter to you. Well, that's tough. Yes, but it's for you. Well, that's hard to do, God. Yes, but it's for you. Knowing. Verse 4, but let that patience... What is patience? The outcome of the trial. Come on, the product of the trial. Let that patience have its perfect work. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. The Message Bible says it this way. Are you ready? Hold on. Consider it a sheer gift, friends... When tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know the only way why James could say, count it all joy? You know the only way that we can consider it a sheer gift is this. We've got to understand the nature of these tests and how we are to respond to them. Because that makes all the difference in the world. And we're not talking about the world, that big green and blue ball that's in space, that world that we live on, that makes all the difference to my world, to my future and to my life. Come on, that makes all the difference to your future, to your family, your life. Understanding the test, the nature and how I can respond to them. And that's why the recap we've talked about, that's why it's so important that you know your identity, who you are in Christ, that you're not allowing the world to name you and rename you. That's why it's important to set those core convictions and values of your life. Why? Because you've got to step into tomorrow, just like you stepped into today. And what's that? You've got to step forward, knowing and understanding. At some point, you're going to be tested in your life. Come on, the enemy wants to take your identity. He wants to take your decisions, but he wants to steal also your response. And how you want to handle those things. Last week, what did we talk about? The importance of having those core convictions. Preparing beforehand, before you have to say yes or no to the wrong or right things. Already preparing before. But those convictions alone will not insulate us from the trials that will put them to the test. Now what will you do? Now how will you respond? Now what's your conviction going to be? Oh, here's my convictions. But when I'm tested, what am I still going to say? What am I going to still do? What am I still going to be? Chris Hodges says this incredible statement. And incidentally, just you need to get this book, The Daniel Dilemma by Chris Hodges. I just cannot recommend it strongly enough as a reading for you. Everyone needs to be reading through this. In that book, he says these words, If a chain is only as strong... As its weakest link, then the strength of our faith relies on the stability of what we believe when we are under attack. What do you believe when you're under attack? It's easy to believe when everything's going good. But what are you basing your faith? What's your stance on when the attack comes? Because it's the stability of your faith, what it's built upon, that's gonna help you be victorious through the attacks. And the trials that we face in our life. It takes courage to stare the enemy. And look the enemy in his face and in his eye. And still stand our ground. And that's why we must have a confidence and know what our faith is built on. Listen to me. Convictions are about the choices we have made before the challenge. But faith is our ability to act on our convictions when tested. Let me say that again. Convictions are about the choices we make before the challenge. But faith is our ability to act on our convictions when we are tested. From the life of Daniel, we see that he went through a great test. And it's amazing. Daniel asked for the test. He, he asked to go through the test. He signed up for it. I mean, that's crazy to me. But he signed up for it. Read with me Daniel chapter 1, 11 through 14. So Daniel said to the steward who was the chief of the eunuchs, or who the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. They had been given the king's delicacies, remember? All the best food, the best wine. Everything was theirs. It was at their disposal. Everything they could want. And the king don't eat no junk. It was good stuff. But it violated their dietary laws. And plus, it had also been offered to idols something that they felt and knew that they shouldn't engage in and have. So they asked just to have vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then verse 13, then let our appearance be examined before you. And the appearance of the young men who ate the portions of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. In other words, compare us to them. And if we're not looking good, then we'll do whatever you want us to do. But please, just give us the opportunity to be tested. So he consented with them in this matter and he tested them for 10 days. I want to give you some key points today. And I hope you're taking notes. If you're not, you can follow on the U version and you can take notes there too, because you can fill in the blanks. But you need to pay attention to this message today, because I'm telling you, testing's coming your way. If, it's, if you're not in it right now, then just keep breathing because it's coming your way. You can say, Well, that's pretty negative. Okay, I'll be positive. I'm positive. <laughs> Testing is coming your way. Oh, you say that all the time, Pastor. Well, it's the truth. It's the truth. The Bible tells us that testing is coming our way, but God is faithful. That through those things, come on, He's going to do something in us. So here's the point today. The first point. Don't try to avoid it. I think we've mastered the avoidance approach. You know what I'm talking about? I think we've mastered that. I'm just going to pray, God, take me out of this. I can't handle this. We, we don't like the pain. We don't like the discomfort. We want to avoid the conflict. So obviously, God wants us to live at peace and be blessed. So we're just going to pray because God's going to take all those. The truth is this. We really cannot avoid those things. We can maybe delay them. But what I've found in my life, delay many times or to delay those things can cause greater uncomfort. And greater unrest in my life. You see, when culture shifts as it is, our faith will always be tested. How are you going to stand? What's your belief? What are you going to do now? Because the enemy's goal is to derail you. He places obstacles In your way. Look at the scripture from 1 Thessalonians 2 and 18 NIV. It says, For we wanted to come to you. This is Paul speaking to the church of Thessalonica. He said, We wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again. But notice what he said. But Satan blocked our way. The definition of that word there means to literally cut a ditch. That Satan... Cut a ditch, for what reason? To make a detour. I like watching a show on TV. I think it's on the Discovery or History Channel. It's called Eyewitness War. And it goes with the cameras and the body cameras and that that the soldiers had in Iraq and Afghanistan. And it shows you just them going out on patrols and everything that they faced. And you hear their stories and in their interviews. But what you would find is as they would go out on their missions, on their patrols, The enemy would purposely block a road or put something in their pathway. Why? Because the enemy wanted them to take a detour because they had an ambush that was set up. There there was an explosive device that was ready when they went off that track. Isn't that a picture of what the enemy wants to do? We're just going about our business every day and the enemy wants to dig a ditch for us to go this way. Why? Because he has an ambush ready. He wants to take... Us down. But we've got to remember this. We cannot avoid the tests. Here's the next thing that we can remember. You ready? When our faith is tested, we've got to choose who will we serve? Who are we going to serve? There's two choices God or the enemy. We like to think that we're a third choice, but we're not. We're on the enemy's side. We're on the devil's side. Because it's either God or the world. And we cannot have one foot in the other. We may think we can straddle it, but you're going to come up to a post in a moment. It's not going to be too comfortable. You cannot straddle and have the best of both worlds. So when your faith is tested, you've got to make a choice. What am I going to do? I know what Joshua said. As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. He made that decision of what's going to happen. Look what happened as a result of the test. Daniel 1, 15 through 19. And at the end of 10 days... It may not be 10 days for you. It may be two weeks, maybe a month, it may be years. But I'm telling you right now, there's a period, a moment of your life that you're going to endure testing and God's going to bring you out on the other side. And at the end of 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Whatever you're doing, he said, hey, keep doing it. You're doing a good job. Look at it, verse 17. And as for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. Listen to me. It was already inside of them, but God had to know that he could trust them with it. Come on, God had to know that He could trust them with it. Going through the test means that God can trust you with those things. Come on, it's not that miraculously God now gives them. They're already in you, they're just laying dormant till God can trust you with those things. God gave them wisdom, knowledge, skill in all literature. Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now, at the end of the days, these aren't the 10 days, this is the three years. For three years they were put through schooling and trained in the way of the king that they would stand before him. So now at the end of that three year period, when the king had said that they should be brought into him, the chief of eunuchs brought them in before King Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them along with all. And none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. Therefore... They served before the king. Through the test they were rewarded with a greater knowledge, understanding and wisdom. No one in their class, no one around them came even close to them. You will always be better after being tested. You will always be better after testing. How do you know that, Pastor? Because God never wastes a pain. God never wastes a struggle. God never wastes a sickness. God never wastes an opportunity. Here's the next thought. Are you ready? Life is testful. I know it's not such a word, but there is in my message. What do I mean by that? Life is going to be full of tests. Life is going to be full of... Te- you know, everything probably that you have learnt and earned came by way of pain. Ladies, just think of the example of childbirth. They tell us that's the greatest pain that anyone could possibly endure. Think about the pain that you went through for that. But think about what the blessing that you have now have as you've gone, and it's not only a pain for the mother, it's a pain for that child, too. Think about the trauma of a child and what it has to go through, and then it's slapped at the end and drugged and pulled, and there's pain in the process, there's pain in the process, but you know what? Through the pain has come great gain. The success you've had in life has come at a cost. If you want a career, you want a great education. You've had to give up on some things to pursue. When everyone else is out of the movies, you're in studying. Because you're paying now so you can play later. Come on, too many people playing now and they're paying later. You've got to get it the right way around. We're paying now so we can play later. We're doing the work in our careers, in our jobs, in our businesses. It's a lot of pain. But now we can see the rewards through the blood, sweat and tears. Isaiah 30 verse 19 through 21 says, O people of Zion, You who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. God will be gracious if you ask him for help. He will surely respond to the sounds of your cry. I like that. But notice what they're going through right now. Though the Lord gave you adversity for food and suffering for drink, he will still be with you to teach you. Notice what the word of God is saying is you're going to come through this thing and you ain't going to be in pain. You ain't going to weep no more. But the way that you've got to get through this, you're going to have to go through some struggles. There's going to be some adversity that you're going to have to eat. There's going to be some struggle that you're going to have to drink. But God says, I am with you to what? Teach you because you will see your teacher with your own eyes. You're going to see it. You may not see it now, But you're going to see the hand of God in that situation. And guess what? You're going to hear behind your ears. The voice will say, this is the way. Walk in it, one translation says. Go to the right or to the left. What is God trying to do? He's trying to guide and lead and instruct your life. And he does it through the tests. We're going to walk through some difficult times. That's inevitable. But how we respond determines our faith and the rate of our growth. You can't escape it. You can't avoid it. you got to go through it. Psalms 23 verse 4. Yea, though I walk through. Say that with me. Through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they are comforting me. They are changing me. They're chastising me. They're making me into your image of what you want me to be. Isaiah 43 verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you and Through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burnt, nor shall the flame scorch you. God, you couldn't take us around those things. I mean, God, there's not another pathway. God says, no, that's the pathway. You're going to have to go through those things. I said, you're going to have to go through those things. Peter said it this way. Peter 1, 6 and 7. He said, so be truly glad Because there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. But these trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It has been tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. Wow. Wow. You know one of the things and the greatest things that... Drew me to Kelly. Not just the fact that she's dropped dead gorgeous. She's incredible. One of the greatest things that drew me to Kelly was I, I actually walked through a period of her life in a different role. I was a pastor. I was actually, her husband was killed in a car accident. I was his mother's pastor. His mother came to our church. So I didn't really know Kelly and Jason very well. I knew them and knew of them, but they weren't like friends or People I knew. But I knew the mother and the sister came to our church. I was their pastor. We dedicated his sister's kids here in the church. So when it was funeral time, she asked me as her pastor to speak during his funeral. I didn't deliver the main message. Pastor Scott, Household of Faith, that was the church they attended. He gave the main message. But I was asked to speak. And it's amazing to think that here I am. I get to know Kelly through that. And I would call her and just say, hey, how you doing? Just want you to know we're praying for you. And just pray that everything's going great. One of the greatest things that attracted Kelly to me was the strength that she had in her faith. Here she is, a young lady with three children, and she's widowed. But never once did I hear from her mouth, I cannot understand why God would do this to me. But what I heard over and over again is this. I'm trusting God and God has a plan for my life. God has a plan for my life. God has a plan for my life. And little did she know the plan that God did have. And little did I know the plan that she was speaking of that God had for us as he brought us together and joined us together. But that was that which made me notice her above everyone else. I was like, wow, I would call to encourage her and she would encourage me and she would challenge my faith. Because I'd never been through something like that. I I thought I'd gone through something rough with a divorce. But losing someone like that, the tragedy of that. I wish today I could stand before you as a pastor and tell you that there's another way for your faith to be tested and grow. Other than through tests and trials. But there's not. There's not. And here's the reason why. Because when our faith is tested... It's when we grab a hold of God and it's when we know him in a greater way. There's nothing that makes us lean into God more than the trials and the tests and the pains that we endure. You see, again, it's the result versus the process. We want the result. We want to be healed. We want to be whole. We want to be blessed. And God says, that's great. That's where I want to get you to. But can we just talk about the process to get you there? God wants to get us there in a better way than we could ever imagine. But sometimes it comes by the way of testings and trials. Malachi 3 verse 2 says this, For he is like a refiner's fire. That's the process. The blacksmith, the metalsmith, would put the material through that it would be heated up to intense proportions. So everything which is impure and junk... Could be removed and only that which is pure would be left. Here's the next point. Are you ready? God tests us to refine us, not to punish us. Not to punish us. I just feel God's punishing me. That's a lie. That's a lie. God loves you and he is refining you. He's refining you. God tests us. Satan tempts us. A test is a great indicator of what and how we are learning. Attempting is a temptation sent to destroy us. God wants us to go through tests so we can see perhaps the weaknesses and failures and frailties of our lives. So we can make the adjustment because it's so easy for us to get so full of pride. And we're going to be talking about this in the next couple of weeks. How we can get so full of pride because pride says, I don't need God. I can do it my way. And that's one of the greatest enemies that every one of us face. And we don't even identify that because pride won't let us see it many times. But we can be tempted and we can be in a bad place and not even see it. So it's to the test that our eyes can be open to see, man, maybe I need to kind of not do that anymore. Maybe I need to be reading my Bible more. Maybe I need to be in the Word of God more. You see, life is a big pop quiz. Remember the school when the teacher would give you a pop quiz? Most of the time a pop quiz came, what, surprisingly. All of a sudden you'd show up in class and the teacher would say, put all your books away, take a piece of paper out and your pen. We are going to have a test. My next words was, oh my God, help me. <laughs> what? Kind of feeling, feeling sick, need to go to the sick room. Pop tests, we didn't like them. We didn't like them. <laughs> But listen to me, we've got to be so careful not to interpret resistance in the wrong way. Because we can often view every test as nothing more than an attack of the enemy. Well, the devil's really attacking me today. The devil's out to get me. But perhaps that's not always the case. The enemy may try to attack us while we're in the middle of the test and try to make us weak and vulnerable. But the tests that we're talking about today are about the chance to grow. The chance to grow. And Satan doesn't want us to grow. So Satan's not going to do things in my life to bring growth to my life. Come on, hear me today. Satan's not wanting me to grow. He's wanting me to diminish, to destroy my life. So we've got to be careful. Well, the devil's really testing me. I'm going through a lot. There can be moments of temptation and trials that the enemy brings upon us. We're talking about young men and women that are doing everything they can to live according to God's word. And guess what? They're still in the fire. They're still going through a test. Here's the next point. Are you ready? Instead of seeing obstacles only, see opportunities for advancement. Well, it's just an obstacle. (laughs) No, it's an opportunity. It's a stepping stone. It's something that you can use to promote your life and to bless your life. Listen to me today. You ready? Listen, listen. Look at me. Look at me. The tests that you are going through today may be proved to you that you're closer to God and doing exactly what He wants you to do than you could ever imagine. The enemy wants to tell you you're going through a test because you've been disobedient to God. No, maybe you're going through a test because you're closer to doing exactly what God wants you to do. Acts 20, 22 and 23, Paul. Paul says this, I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me there except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lays ahead. What was Paul saying? I'm ready to go. Why? Because I know that's what God has for me. But what's awaiting me? Testing. But you know what he's saying? I'm now perfectly in the will of God because God knows where I'm going and God's the one that's leading my life. That maybe needs to be your verse for the season that you're in right now. What about this one? Maybe this needs to be your verse. Are you ready? Romans 5, 3 through 4. We can rejoice too when we run into troubles and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength and character, and character strengthens our confident hope of our salvation. David even prayed like Daniel to go through a test. Psalms 139, 23, 24. Search me, O God, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I wonder how many of you have ever prayed, God test me. I said, I wonder how many of you have ever prayed, God test me. I think our prayer is 99.99999, the opposite way. God, I don't want to be tested. God, take me out of this. I, I, I can't handle this. Help me, God. Spare me, God. Quickly. When we pray to get out of the test. We are essentially praying that we will not grow. Ouch. Instead of praying why, start praying what? Because why makes us question the hand of God. But what helps us to identify his plan and purpose? Why am I going through this? God knows. What do I need to learn through this? Because I'm coming through this. And I'm coming through this better than I went into it. Next point, are you ready? Embrace the conflict with the courage of the Lord. You can't do it on your own. You need the strength of God. You need the encouragement of God. You need His courage. You need His ability. Look at the story from Samuel chapter 30 and verses 1 through 6. It says, now it happened when David and his men had come to Ziklag. On the third day that the Amalekites had invaded from the south and Ziglag and they attacked it and they burned it with fire. That's David's home. That's where his family, he was going off to war to fight and he had left everything of value and worth, their wives, their children, their belongings, everything had been left in the city. And notice what happened. The captors came and took captive the women and those who were there from the smallest to the great. They did not kill anyone, but they carried them away and they went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was burnt with fire and their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken. And David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. David's two wives were also taken captive. Verse 6, now David was greatly distressed for the people around him spoke of stoning him because the souls of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. But David, but David, but Seth, but Kristen, come on now, but Jacob, come on, but Miss Miles, come on, but David, but Mary, but Sarah, but Travis, come on, but David, he what? He encouraged himself. He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. It didn't look good around, and it wasn't good around. But he didn't look around, he looked up. He looked up to the one who's his source and strength. He couldn't turn to his friends, because they were out to kill him. They wanted to take him down. But he looked to God. And when he looked to God, he found strength. And courage, that word courage, the root meaning means the heart and the core. Come on, he dug so deep down inside of him to his deepest feelings and he cried out to God. You see, here's what you've got to realize. Next point, our hearts are where the true battle is fought between our trials And our convictions. Are we going to remain true or not? It's not looking good, but what are we going to do? Do we look around or do we look up? Come on, we've got to trust in God. Courage is the fuel that fuels our ability to carry out our convictions, to take that next step, to keep going, to lift our head up. You see, David at his lowest point was able to encourage himself in the Lord. I want to know how I can do that. Do you? How can I do that? Psalm 61 verse 2. David says, hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Come on, when the darkness seems like it's enveloping all around me, David says, I've got to come to the rock. I've got to put my feet back on that rock and realize that God is able, that God is still my victory. He's still my strength. It may look tough all around me, but he's still victorious. Lead me to the rock. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You see, the secret to finding encouragement relies on our response, not our reaction. A reaction is wrong many times. It's that knee jerk action that we throw out. Our reaction many times is the anger, the fear, the confusion, the frustrations. We lash out at other people. We blame them. We blame ourselves. That's the reaction to the situation. We're mad at God. You're a bad God. That's the reaction. But come on, we must do more than just express our feelings. We must direct them to God. Come on, we must direct them to God. Here's my question today. Are you responding or reacting to your circumstances? Because to react takes God out of the pictures. But to respond says, God, I need you to lead me to the rock. That is higher than I. Trust me today, I've got to finish this message. Trust me today, God can handle your scariest and darkest nights. We see this with Daniel. We see it with David. We see it with Paul. What did they do? They remained courageous because they understood. Here it is. Here's the key. Here's the secret. They understood the power of worship. 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 Look at this next point. So many of our trials are skewed by our perspective. Come on. So many of the trials of our life are skewed because of our perspective. What do I mean by that? We see the problems as bigger than our God. Or we see them as everything else except God. But you know what worship does? Worship puts our life back into balance. It puts us back into proper perspective. Problems and sicknesses and the attack may still be there. But now my focus isn't on those things anymore. I'm not worshipping them. I'm not giving in to them anymore. But now I'm trusting on Jesus. I'm keeping my eyes on Him with each step. Worship ain't just songs that we sing in church. Worship needs to be something that you live every day because you're surrendering your life to a God who is omnipotent, omniscient and all-powerful, omnipresent, a God that is able to do infinitely more. Here's the last part of the message, are you ready? Worship has to be your go-to move. If you've ever played a sport like basketball, you've got to have your go-to shot, Stephen's played you got to have that go-to. You, you know your strength. It's that go-to where, the, where, where you stand on the D or, or whatever it is. That's your go-to. That may be that fade back and whatever it may be, you got to have that go-to. I'm telling you right now, your go-to has to be worship. When the enemy comes in like a flood, when you're facing testings and trials like you cannot believe, you need to hit your knees and cry out to God. You need to begin to worship him like never before. But you know what happens? Listen to me. You know what happens? When worship happens in church, we're like this. Oh, my heart's broken. Why should I praise a God who's a bad God? If we even come to church. Even if we come to church, I'm telling you right now, whatever the circumstance and whatever the situation, this needs to be your position. Why? Because I'm surrendering to the God who's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I need you, Jesus, right now. I need you to be big. I need you to be the rock that is higher than I. Next week, we're going to talk about worship. You don't want to miss it because we all worship something. We all worship something. Michael, you can come, band, you can come. We're going to be tested. But how are you going to respond? How are you going to respond? Are you going to respond fearfully allowing the enemy the chance to derail your faith? Or are you going to respond with courage as you step forward and trust God with the outcome? Oh, but pastor, I can't do that. No, 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 you can. Because every one of us I don't care if you've been saved 20 years or if you just got saved last week. I'm telling you right now, every one of us has everything that we need to pass the tests that we face. Every one of us have got the answer to every test. That answer is we've got to have courage in the Lord. We've got to place our hope in Him got to place our hope to Him. You know where I find myself? When adversities and trials hit me? With my hands in the air, praising God. There's a song that we used to sing, the words went this, I will praise the Lord no matter what tomorrow brings or what it has in store. I'm going to praise the Lord. That's something you've got to learn to do because it doesn't always come natural. You don't feel like putting your hands in the air and praising God. And I know at work you may not be able to put your hands in the air, but you can put your heart in the air. Come on, you can lift your spirit and begin to encourage yourself. And praise God. Praise God. Through the darkest times of my life, I've found the way through. Through going to the rock that is higher than I. Culture can't offer you that. I said culture cannot offer you that. The world cannot give you that promise. All the world can offer you is your demise. Because the world wants to rename you for you to conform. And for you to fail the test. Why? Because the world wants you to fail so it can claim you and own you. Huh. Listen to me. Faith that is not tested is faith that cannot be trusted. Faith that is not tested is faith that cannot be trusted. But today you can trust. You can trust. You can trust. Just bow your heads all over this place.